I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey, this is Daniel from LA Riots, and I'm on Rebel Radio. Fuck you, Josh. Oh. <laughs> What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh -huh. Rebel Radio is going down. Would you say Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. Yo, what's up, Rebels? And welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I talk to the Rebels who are shaping youth culture. We find out how they do it, why they do it, and what you can do to get a little piece of the pie for yourself. I'm your host, Josh Levine. My guest today is Daniel from the LA Riots. They're a DJ and production team uh, here out of LA. And these are some of the most versatile guys in the business. They're, they're in uh, every genre you can imagine of dance music, from drum and bass to house to electro, indie rock, uh, they're making it happen. They're producing and remixing everybody from Kylie Minogue to Tricky to Nero to Lady Gaga. They're all over the map. Um, and they're putting out their own records on some of the top labels in the business. Daniel's got some great stories for you today talking about um, you know, how they've evolved their sound over the years, uh, how they've avoided some of the pitfalls that come from commercial success. Good stuff. I think you'll enjoy this episode. Uh, let's get into it right after our EDM.com track of the week. You happy, you give me hooks 
EDM.com track of the week that was Rod and Michael Saint Laurent with a track called Turn It Up if you like that one get over to EDM.com for more new music and let's get into the interview with Daniel from LA Riot I uh do you know Yellow Wolf yeah I went um like randomly I ended up going to New Zealand with him and T.J. Paul from uh-huh. from uh, Three Six Mafia. Yeah. Um, last New Year's, they took me, and I literally I met Paul when we got on the plane, and I met Wolf like the day before, briefly when he came over to my house and asked me to go to New Zealand with him, and I was like, because he needed it was weird. He needed a DJ. He had gone through some shit and fired everybody, and uh-huh. I have a New Zealand passport, so. Sure, I don't that helps. A, I didn't need a, a visa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> one of my good friends was managing him. So he was like, oh, I, I got this guy that wow. could go and be your DJ. And I like had to go and perform in front of, like, it was 20,000 people. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know any of his songs. And we got there on New Year's Day because we left here the 29th. We landed there on the 31st because you skip a day. Mm-hmm. And it sucked for him because the 30th is his birthday. So oh, we skipped wow. that entire day. Yeah, so in the airplane. Yeah, and we were all separated, and there was like, there was I think like eight or nine of us going, and uh, yeah, so the night before the show, I like finally was like, yo, I I really don't know any of your music. I don't know how this is gonna work, and he's like, and I was like, should he's like, man, I don't have anything because his last DJ uh-huh. had kind of like bailed on him. They had a little falling out. Wow. They're good now. Yeah, but um, took all his music, and oh, I was like. Shit. Yo, um, let's let's like Google some track listings from like set lists from your yeah. shows, and we Goog- I Googled a bunch and then pulled up a bunch of pictures that fans had put up of track listings um, or of set lists. Yeah, and uh, I went through and he was like, okay, we'll play that one, we'll play this one, we'll play this one. You know, went through, figured it out, figured out the order. And then I, I just went to my room and this was like four in the morning. Everybody was partying and um, I downloaded all of his songs off of Amazon. So he had to basically uh-huh. just rap over CD tracks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then he would tell me, oh, for just this like song. Just like instrumentals? No, not even instrumentals. Oh, no way. Like, With like vocals. Like full-on vocal tracks. Like, we had no choice. Yeah. And then he, um, he was like, um, you know, this right here I wanted to break down. He would, they would do all these things, like break down into like ACDC back is black. So I would right. like go and like get the instrumental for that and then be able to like do something so he could go off on a freestyle. But it was yeah. crazy. But um, yeah, it was good. And then at the very end, like when um, um, it was cool because like 
um, I live downtown, and so I have a lot of neighbors that are DJs. Yeah. And a bunch of them were over there DJing in the other rooms. Oh, really? Yeah. So they were all like bugged out. They were like, what are you doing here? That's when funny. When you start listening to Yellow Wolf. But yeah, I ended up um, playing that. And then at the very end, he like brought me out into the, onto the front of the stage. And he was like, yo, he's from New Zealand, blah, blah, blah. He hasn't been home in a while. And everybody, it was crazy. That's cool. I think I actually have a video of it. It was, it was, it was good. That's really cool. Um, yeah, that's I funny. Think, I mean, I think like, you know, fans probably just assume that like, you know, you're a DJ for a guy because you. Oh wow! Oh, that's yeah. like a real. That's a real show. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing is, he had he had canceled his entire tour, and we didn't even. Say, I was like, "Yo, don't say I'm from like never mention that I'm from LA riots." Like, so he just used my Instagram handle for my right. personal one, like Daniel riots. Yeah. And yeah, like, it was it was pretty crazy. And then like the next day, they took us to like where the hobbits are they filmed uh -huh. the hobbit and uh -huh. stuff like that we got private tours it was nice it was rad and then That's we awesome. played a club in um and shot a music video actually that i was in for um one of his songs oh wow uh, the next night and then we all flew home that's cool and that was it <laughs> i was like i can't do this again <laughs> not That's my thing because i don't know I mean, what to do i'm not like i've you know like djing now is like you know you, you, the lights are all on you you yeah. got a mic you're on top of the dj but you're doing everything but djing and i'm like I'm not against that, but I just don't do that stuff. Right. I've never spoken on the mic. So for right. me to sit back there and like play a track and then like, what do I do for four minutes while you're rapping, you know? Right. And yeah, I don't you even, just gotta stand there, right? Oh no, I don't even drink and I just got wasted Did like you? the entire time. And what was funny was like Bone Thug couldn't make it into town. Like um, they, they couldn't clear customs, I guess, cause they probably had a yeah, record obviously. I'm sure. Um, so um, DJ Paul comes up to me He's like, yo, you know Three Six Mafia songs? I'm like, yeah, I know a lot of them. He's like, yo, he's like, I'm gonna take their place. Can you play? And I was like, yeah, I'll be your DJ. I knew his songs more than I knew Wolf's. It was pretty funny. That's crazy. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I have a friend who DJs for a band who I'm not going to mention, and uh, I'll get texts from him when it, I'm like, aren't you on stage right now? And he's <laughs> like, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was pretty funny. That was a good time, though. That's crazy. Yeah. And then we did a, we did a small show, though, at a club. Uh -huh. um, that's where we, we shot the video for. Oh, cool. And, but it was crazy, because like, I had to DJ before, and, and it was like, I could tell that like they didn't care who was playing. Everybody just came for like that that Yellow Wolf show, so I yeah. felt stupid there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It worked out. I did one other show with him for um, for a cancer benefit. Like, I guess like two weeks after we got back, it was oh, like cool. for Danny Way down in uh -huh. um, uh -huh. down in San Diego. Yeah. And that one actually went a lot smoother because I I, I right. knew the music by that point. Sure, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. That's cool though. Sometimes you gotta just roll with it. Oh yeah. Figure it was good. It out. Yeah. Good experience. Nice. And I got like treated like a king for a week in New Zealand so nice yeah well thanks for coming to talk to us man. oh yeah I'm, no I'm doubt excited to uh to dig into your story a little bit I'll let you know I like the music yeah and um we've been switching it up lately yeah 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 so let, let's talk about that um tell me how I always like to kind of start at the beginning yeah so like how'd you first discover electronic music oh man it was in the um 
like mid nineties. Uh -huh. I was in college uh, in North Carolina. And so John's from North Carolina. Okay. That's where I met him. But um, yeah, like these guys were just handing out flyers back before there was social media. Yeah. You know, you had to actually like go and flyer your town for, sure. um, for raves. And uh, yeah, I had, I had gotten one of the flyers and I was like, you know, it's a, the, the flyer team actually were the promoters. Right. And yeah. uh, they're actually guys that now do events out here. They used to be Atlanta oh, really? and North Carolina based. And I think they were doing Avalon for years. Oh, um, cool. Liquefied uh -huh. was, was the promoter. Yeah, it's yeah. this guy, um, Damien from, um, from England. Okay. That had moved to Atlanta and was um, doing like raves on, um, on the East Coast between North Carolina and, and Atlanta. And uh, yeah, they, one of the guys gave me a flyer and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm actually going to this. I'm bringing a bunch of friends. And so they were like, oh, come, you know, hang out with us when you, when you get there. So I ended up hanging out with them. And then that was I, your first rave. That was no, it wasn't my first one, but yeah. I had gone to a couple. But like, that's where I really, really got into it. And, uh, you know, back then it was like way more underground. And yeah, we're seeing acts like Rabbit in the Moon and Josh Wink and DJ three and people like that. Mm -hmm. um, the funky techno tribe, uh -huh, here, yeah, yeah. Doc Martin a lot. Yeah. And um, man, uh, it was good. I kind of, I kind of got spun a little bit. Did a lot of drugs back then. Sure. <laughs> and then it happened. Yeah. When I um, when I finally like got out of that like the party phase, I just kind of picked up DJing. And uh, so was it at that point, or or you know even before that, like when you're first discovering it, was it? The music was it the scene, or could you even distinguish between those? Two? It was the music. Yeah, I remember. Um, I remember like a, a, I don't even know, like maybe like a year or two into it, like was when um, Daft Punk homework came out, uh -huh. and uh, the funk. Yeah, I heard that track, and I was like, whoa. Sure. Like, and then you know, um, Rabbit in the Moon and Josh Wink, Higher State of Consciousness. Like we were very fortunate. I mean, everybody <clears throat> thinks, oh, you lived in North Carolina. It was probably a little backwoods. But no, we, a lot of people would travel from D.C. and New York and Florida to come yeah. to, you know, a lot, a lot a of people. college town. Yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of people did follow like the drug scene kind of. But then there were a lot of people that were just in it because we threw really good parties. I, I became part of that, that crew oh, that cool. started throwing the parties, um, nice. helping them out. And then... Um, you know, that's when I started DJing and I, I got put on. Uh -huh. And like my first event that I ever played was like 3,000 people. Right. So it was a little intimidating. What was that feeling? Uh, I was scared. I was yeah. shaking. Yeah, it was like, it's so different because like, you know, you're, you're playing in your house and right. everything sounds all crisp. And so you'd be messing up. around at home. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, and, and those guys were techno DJs and super, super technical back then. Yeah. You know, it was records. And, sure. And so... There's a little bit more skill involved than there is now. Yep. Um, you, you, it wasn't a visual thing where I feel like now it's right. more than half of it is visual. You just look on your computer screen or even look on the, the CDJ. Um, but yeah, like um, I couldn't, I remember I couldn't hear in the mm -hmm. headphones. Mm -hmm. It was just like, no matter how loud I just turned up the loud. headphone, it was yeah. just too loud. My ears weren't accustomed to it. And yeah. I, 
think I train wrecked a couple mixes. Uh-huh. Um, which again, I feel like nowadays people train wreck quite a bit. Yeah. And and it doesn't Nobody get frowned cares. upon. But back then, yeah. man, you train wrecked, they would boo you. Yeah. It, you know, they were there more for the music and not for the champagne showers and stuff. I like remember that. I, <laughs> I I played. Uh, I pl- uh, I'm not a DJ, but I've pretended to be one of you know from now a lot of people do that now and then <laughs> so like uh i played a i played a thing at a bowling alley and it was all beat junkies oh nice. and me and i was yeah. like the opener or whatever and you know they were super cool to me and yeah. you know generous and whatever when i was messing up but like that like five seconds felt like 10 years oh yeah you know just over you're trying to get just over to the next record yeah and you're like oh, it's taking so long. <laughs> you just stress out that whole yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, totally. So stressful. Yeah. Um, who's Beat Junkies? That's is that Babu and all those guys? Yeah, yeah. Babu, uh, Melody, yeah. all those. Just an incredible DJ. Yeah. Real, real DJs. Yeah. Real DJing. For sure. Yeah. Um, and then what was like? Was there a, a break or like a, a point where everything kind of got easier? Well, you know, I, I was, when I first started out, I, I was just strictly like just doing drum and bass. Yeah. And uh, I did that for, I don't know, like probably like eight or nine years just as a hobby. I never was trying to like do that for yeah. a living. And then. What, what, was, the, what was the living? Um, I worked an office job. Uh-huh. Um, I was a reports analyst. I created databases and stuff for a big, like big Fortune 500 company. Okay. And uh, I. Um, I decided one day that I was just going to move out to California. My brother lived out here, and I, was, I just didn't want to go down that North Carolina path of, yeah. you know, getting married, having two kids, getting a house, white picket fence. So I, I, I sold my record collection. I quit DJing, and I moved to North. I'm, I'm sorry, I moved to California. I drove across country, and uh, yeah, I settled in with my brother. I think that was around like 2003. Mm. And then um, I worked actually here in casting. Um, I was uh, ran casting sessions, and I oh, worked wow. for LA Casting, and you know worked on a lot of big campaigns. Um, Is that a fun job? Because I, I like uh, we've done a little bit of casting for like promo girls. Yeah, I mean, and like people, you know, the, the guys around the office oh, yeah. usually kind of love that. Yeah. Um, well, we were doing more stuff for like, you know, like. Apple commercials. We were, uh-huh. we were doing those campaigns. We were doing like the T-Mobile campaigns and stuff like that, and some music videos. And there would be some times where, like, you know, you'd get like, oh, it's a hot girl day, you right? Know? But yeah. then after a while, you notice like you just start seeing the same people. For it's, sure. Especially when you've been doing it for a while, and you just get to know everybody, and yeah. you're just kind of, I don't know, it just comes with the territory, I yeah, guess. Yeah, but yeah. all that casting couch stuff, that I don't know, that's I never experienced any of that world. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so I actually, um, John had moved to Phoenix and was doing um, like a down-tempo group that mm-hmm. Thievery Corporation and a bunch of acts like that were interested in signing, but I think he was doing it with an ex-girlfriend who I knew from North Carolina as well. They split. I think John moved back to North Carolina, mm. and I just, we'd been friends from the drum and bass days because yeah. he, he actually was the first American that LTJ Bookham had signed. Oh, wow. Um, so he was signed to Good Looking and doing stuff with like TV and Calix and a bunch of people like that. Okay. And I had moved out here and uh, I told him, I was like, yo, why don't, you know, 
you move out of North Carolina, you could probably do some music stuff here and I can get you a job in casting. Mm. So he moved out here and started running camera for casting oh sessions. Yeah. And uh, it was around that time that Serato came out. And I was like, oh wait, you don't have to buy records. Mm -hmm. and, you know, granted like, when, you were, when I was buying drum and bass records, those were all imports. Yeah. So it was like, you yeah, were paying like, 10.99. Yeah, for single. Plus shipping, living right. in North Carolina and listening to tracks. Like I used to call Breakbeat Science in New York and yeah. Forefront in Boston. And uh, I mean, the dude at Forefront, a lot of people in drum and bass know him. Um, he, um, he was really good at selling. Yeah. He, and, and these are the days, this is pre like internet streaming, sure. you know? Like you hold the phone up to the speaker. No you way. You can't hear bass lines or anything no, like no, that. No, no, and he'd no. just be like, oh, you hear that? His name was Scotty. Uh -huh. And, and uh, he amazing. was really good. And I used to always compete with him. Um, because Diesel Boy used to get his tracks from there. Okay. And so it'd be like, I knew I'd had to call before Damien yeah. would call yeah. and get the, the records. But Damien knew the records. He probably didn't even have to listen on the phone, but I sure. did. And, uh, well, you know, we had I was stores friends. out here that... Yeah. Um, well, he was Philly. Oh, that's then. right. That's yeah, right. he was Philly. I but, like, it. you know, yeah. a lot of those records were hard to get. He, I think he did the buying at 611, which was mm. Nigel Richards' yeah, yeah, spot. Nigel. But... Sometimes Scotty would get like promos in because he had the relationship with a lot of the um, a lot of the drum and bass DJs from the UK. Sure. Um, yeah, so I would, you know, I, I burned through a lot of money yeah. and I sold my whole collection. Wow. And so I moved out here and and then, you know, Serato came around and then blogs mm -hmm. was where everybody got their their music from. And so I picked up Serato, and it's funny I, I made a mixtape, which um, well, a mixed CD, mm -hmm. which people apparently didn't do in the hipster indie electro mastercraft justice world. They Is didn't that right? do that to get gigs. It was yeah. just more like, a, oh, you're friends with me, you DJ, come. You know, this was a Steve Aoki, right. like Frankie Chan days, and yeah. I gave those guys CDs. I remember giving Frankie Chan a CD, and he kind of like looked at me like, whoa, this is weird, you know? And is that right? Yeah, because that's where I came from. Like, you wanted to get put on. Like, and I came from drum and bass, where like, yeah. if you yeah, if you yeah, weren't yeah. tight, like, yeah. they let you know. You yeah, know? they had a whole different thing. Oh so yeah. I, I used to do a club with Steve and Frankie. Oh okay. Uh, called Loose Tooth. Oh, I remember that. Um, yeah. Did you play? Where was that at? So we started at Forbidden City on yeah. Vine, and then we moved to Joseph's. I remember. We, I didn't we go were to any Joseph's of those. for a while. Um, I think they brought it back at one point. Too, yeah, there was like a yeah, I think so. Okay, I think that's where I went. Was the loose tooth? Uh, I remember that. So it was, but you know, it was the opposite. It was exactly what you're talking about. It was like some dudes, and it was funny because and Lindsay Lohan DJing is it was low hand back then. Now it's Lohan. She moved <laughs> the accent, but that's she Maybe. would DJ. Yeah. Um, when she was coming up. Sure. Um, uh, people like that. It was more like you would get bands to DJ, and yeah. it's like yeah, yeah, just me random. as a DJ. It's just like I'm not gonna get up on stage and be like, "Yo, let me play guitar while you guys like right. hang." Out. Like that just doesn't happen. But totally. it happens the opposite direction. Like band dudes. Yeah. Like I've I've been in situations where like band dudes have been like a dick to me, and I, oh like, really? Yeah. I'm but not to, naming. To me, that feels like the names. beginning of that. Yeah. I mean, you can name names. If you... I was gonna. I was gonna say I was not gonna name names, but Tokyo Police Club can go fuck themselves. Those dudes. One of the guys is a dick to me because, like, I'm not like a very like, like, you know, I'm the type of dude I show up and they're, I'm like, hey, I'm on the guest list, and they're like, oh, your name's not here, and I'm like, okay, bye. I don't like. I'm not yeah. that dude. that's like, no, I'm, yeah, you know, yeah. and like, I remember one time I was playing a Red Bull event, and those guys were DJing, and by DJing I mean they were literally playing a, an iPod. Yeah. 
and it was an after party for like one of the big like New York festivals um, uh-huh. that goes on out there. But it was more like band and DJ. Okay. I forget which one it was, but Red Bull had flown us all out to do this, and I was waiting to go on, and some fan of theirs, or I don't think he was even a fan, he asked me if they could play a certain song, and I was like, um, you know, I don't know, like. I'll try and see. And then there was two of them working an iPod. Um, that uh, two-man iPod. He, one of the guys like looked back at me, and I was about to go on, and I was like, hey, this guy wants to know if you could play. And he was just like the biggest prick to me. Really? And I was like, oh, man, I'm going to get up there and just like make you look stupid. <laughs> and I, literally, I went up there and made him look stupid. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, but, um, but yeah, that, it was back in those days when... Um, well, that seemed like the beginning... Of the because you know I think yeah before that you had to kind of like prove yourself as a yeah. DJ right yeah and that, that definitely I remember at Loose Tooth because I you know I knew a lot of DJs from previous eras yeah and then all of a sudden there's like just this random guys yeah who you could tell dress cool yeah, yeah. It was, and it was, and it was more image based yeah sure yeah. but you know you could tell they'd never been up there before oh, yeah yeah and you know and Steve like. To his credit, I mean, he was still figuring it out oh, yeah. at the time. He was, for sure. And um, There was some, a lot of questionable mixes, but like... He's figured it out. Yeah, he did. You and, know. you know, these guys were like, they were throwing block party over like Biggie yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, like over like Clap Your Hands, Say Yeah and all these like rad bands and just well, mixing genres like with t- no regard for anything. But it was fun. Every It was... Yeah. That's what you could say about those days. It right. was like balls to the wall like yeah. just fun yeah it was just like anything goes yeah make it fun nothing else matters yeah. where i think we come from an era before that where everything mattered yeah, yeah. you know genre and you know tempo and yeah. like you know all that stuff yeah um yeah it's interesting yeah so i got put on though by um this guy keith that used to do um moscow and okay. club 82 and all this stuff and he started a night called La Disco, uh-huh. and he got three resident DJs. This was before he even DJs. Now he DJs all over Hollywood, but he got me and paparazzi and this guy, Chris White, who goes by White now. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and we, um, we started a night, and it was, it was really successful. And then um, after, I think, doing it about a year, I hit up Steve, um, and I was like, you know, hey, if you guys ever have the need for a remix, you know, um, I've dabbled in production and yeah. my, my buddy John and I, we want to do something. And he kind of, um, he gave us stems to a remix for this band called The Scanners. Mm-hmm. They were doing, and this is when Dimmock would put out like a remix EP, but would have like 10 different remixes mm-hmm. for one song because mm-hmm. you didn't get paid for it so right. it's just like stack it on there you're gonna somebody's gonna pick it up for one of these remixes yeah. the label would make money and uh yeah we he was like you know if, if it's good we'll include it as the last track on this maxi single this is the deadline and so um we did it we turned it into him and it became the first track on nice. the maxi single and uh that was a song um low life by the scanners and we didn't have a name uh-huh. And they were like, well, what, what do we call you guys? And we couldn't figure it out. And it happened to be like the 15-year anniversary of the LA riots. It was all over the news. And we had, they had given us a month to come up with a name, and we couldn't figure out anything. Uh-huh. 
And so we saw that on the news and we were like, yeah, let's just call ourselves LA Riots. And I mean, truth be told, I didn't really like it. I don't even really like it still a little bit. But, um, but in the same breath, we didn't realize that like a month later when this track came out, like almost like literally every A&R from every major label was like hitting us up to do a remix. Like really? we got The Cure hit us up to do a remix. Wow. We, got, we did the title track off of a Kylie M Minogue um, yeah. track. Yeah. We did um we did a bootleg for Justice that Justice ended up putting out. Nice. Um, and then Mastercraft took us under their wings and kind of took us on tour, and it was just like, it went off from there. Yeah. Do you remember that feeling? Oh, yeah. Um, it was really cool, because, like, I think it was Herb. This is back when Herb Magazine was around. And we were, yeah. we were known for doing bootlegs, and uh, they did this big article on the art of the bootleg. Uh -huh. And the first three pages... I don't want to say they trash, but they, they pretty much trash like all the, they, it was basically like, this is how you don't do a remix, uh -huh. a bootleg. And then the last article, the last page of the article was like, this is how you do a remix oh, and cool. a bootleg. And it was basically all about us. Yeah. Cause we had done two justice remixes. We did one for the party and one for DVNO. And then we ended up playing for Frankie Chan, um, a VMA, um, award show party in Vegas okay. for the VMAs um, and it was Justice's after party because they nice. were up for an award. I think yeah. that was either when Kanye jumped on stage mm. or around the time when Kanye jumped on stage. Um, uh, yeah, so we played that and we came from, again, drum and bass where like if you bootleg somebody's tune, Oh, yeah. You could get beat down for, for that. Sure. I mean, Goldie and digitalism, like, those dudes didn't mess around with that. And so yeah. we were playing Justice's party and, like, avoiding them because we didn't know. Like, we, yeah. were, we were just like, they're going to be so pissed at us. And then we, John ended up talking to Busy P, and somebody's like, these are the guys that did this, this bootleg remix. And he's like, oh, we love it. Like, we want to put it out. And, uh, and, you know, he introduced us to Justice, and it came out. But he, they only met John, which is really interesting because when it came out, it came out as the L.A. Riot oh, yeah. singular remix. Right. And for the longest time. He's the time, L.A. Riot. Yeah. Like, I never met the guys. I was, That's like, funny. busy, like, partying. Yeah. I was having fun. That's funny. Yeah. It was a good feeling, man. Like, yeah, sure. It was just, like, we felt like we were on, like, it was, I don't know. We knew we were at the beginning of something different, you know, like, especially, like, when, when the Justice... Yeah. album dropped and then the whole Mastercraft thing and you know they brought us along everywhere with us like we toured Europe with them and did a few US tours and you know we're playing um, EDC and Lollapalooza uh -huh. and Coachella and all those yeah. all those stages we I mean I guess we were kind of like the part of the whole West Coast surge because there was for a while yeah. New York ran it with like LCD and the misshapes and um, Trouble in Bass and all those guys. And then, mm -hmm. you know, the West Coast came up with um, Guns and Bombs and Us and um, uh, Steve Aoki and 
all those parties like fuck yeah and yeah all those things at cinespace so it's yeah. good yeah it's rad 10 years later that's awesome plugging away oh man it's about to be 11. wow it's gonna be the anniversary nice. <laughs> If you're enjoying this one um, and you want to hear more stories from the crazy, rapidly changing music scene, club scene of the early 2000s, let's go back in the Rebel Radio archives. Check out my episode with Frankie Chan, founder of iHeart Comics, uh, DJ, illustrator, event producer, marketer. Uh, Frankie's a wild man. We had a lot of fun talking about a year ago, maybe maybe closer to two years ago on the show. Uh, so you can find that one on iTunes or SoundCloud under Rebel Radio. And uh, let's finish up now with Daniel from L.A. Riots. Yeah, it's funny you mention that. So, you know, I, I worked at Herb for a long time, and, and uh, Raymond Roker is one of my closest friends. And years before that, he and Goldie had... Yeah. A misunderstanding. He, he I don't know if I'm supposed to say this on the air, but, but Goldie broke his jaw. Oh, really? Yeah. Fuck. And, uh, because he reviewed Rings of Saturn poorly. Yeah. De deservedly kind of so. I mean, it was good. It just wasn't. But I think it was back to like what we're talking about, that you come from this era where everything is so, everything's taken so seriously. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, late 2000s, like nothing is taken seriously yeah. anymore. But I feel like drum and bass still still takes itself seriously. And that's why it's not as yeah as, as it hasn't progressed out of there. Sure. Um, but drum and bass is an interesting one because you know it's never been commercially very important. No. But it's but it's given you know dubstep doesn't exist without drum and bass. Yeah. Trap doesn't Trap exist doesn't. without drum and bass, right? Yeah. And so it's had like a mass a much bigger influence yeah. Yeah. than than a commercial success yeah for sure Which i think is really interesting we still dabble and make drum and bass Dude. we released a drum and bass track last year on borgor's album uh -huh. um, borgor's label sorry yeah. on bygore we did a remix for um bring back the summer oh cool um that um rain man track yeah. it was drum and bass Actually, um, the end of last year, did a a track with um, Daniel Pierce, who's mm. Detail. Mm -hmm. uh, he did the vocal on Sigma's "Nobody to Love," so we did an original with him. I don't know if that'll ever see the light of day, um, but yeah, we still dabble in it if it makes sense. Interesting. I like listening to like Rudimental and Sigma and Wilkinson. Yeah. Did you ever listen to that guy? No. <sighs> Wilkinson I don't know. is. Oh man, he's a new guy. Not new, but he's the guy on Ram that's like okay. Andy C's label that just like kills it with like stuff that you would hear on the radio. Nice. Like it's really good vocally stuff. Yeah. yeah. So all this starts happening for you guys. Do you sit down and kind of like make a plan, or what? It, what like what do you guys do as partners? How does that? We don't have a plan. We didn't. So, we didn't like plan anything. We just kind of like rode just the like wave. Roll with it. Yeah. I yeah. mean, like. You know, we had a manager and remix opportunities would come yeah. in. And back then we were just like remixing anybody. Like, 
And those don't pay a lot. No, back then, some of them did. Right. They were, it was pretty lucrative, but I, yeah. um, then the label started finding out that they weren't recouping much right. because a lot of that stuff, you, of course. it didn't get played a lot in the clubs, you right. know? Um, yeah, and that, that was yeah. the whole ver reason for it. And now, mind you, like they don't want remixes; they just want collabs with right. with electronic artists. But yeah. we did a we did a speaking of Goldie, we did a remix recently for Tricky. We are free, but we don't know how we are meant to be. If we are meant to see all this trouble in my mind, my heart is searching far wide, wide. They had beef as well. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, they both I, dated I, Bjork. Oh, is that why? Yeah. That's yeah. funny. Like, Tricky dated Bjork for a while, and then um, I think Goldie started dating her. Uh, they had some, some beef. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. Especially, drum, especially, yeah, in drum bass. <laughs> especially when it's Goldie. Is that he stuff? doesn't mess around. He's mellowed out though. He does like yoga and all kinds of stuff. Uh, yeah, I yeah. think I read. He's got a new album coming out. I read some interview with him. I think it was the one where he dropped uh, Banksy's name. Oh yeah. Or whatever. But yeah. like, yeah, I was he, talking about that the other day with somebody. Yeah. I don't know. I went and saw Massive Attack in Tokyo last month. Oh wow. And. Um, it was definitely not clear if Banksy was in the room or not, but uh, but um, I, it's interesting. You know, you're working with Tricky and, and Massive Attacks on tour, and like, I don't know if that counts as a resurgence of that style of music. But he dropped a new album. Yeah, Tricky did. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. I don't know. Like, I feel like a lot of a lot of good playlists on Spotify have are leaning that way. Yeah. I was in a Uber yesterday, and I don't know what the guy was playing, but it was amazing. And it was just really? like I was in the car thinking, "Man, this is like, <laughs> like a good modern Massive Attack type of feel yeah. to it." Yeah. yeah. I mean, we might make stuff like that. Even you know, we we dabble in different different styles. Yeah. We just don't want to make anything like we were making, like the big room kind of stuff that we got into, because I feel like you get accustomed to this lifestyle. Um, once you get a certain level of su success, yeah, and then, in order to sustain that lifestyle, you say a lot of you, you say yes a lot more than you should. Sure. Um, so we so, kind of went on hiatus for a while, and the first big remix we did was um, coming back out was for Tricky. So how it was did cool. You... He, he he hit us up. Um, you know, because a lot of times, I mean, we've remixed everybody from like Kings of Leon, yeah. Thirty Seconds to Mars, Britney. Gaga, all of them, and we don't ever interact with them. People think right. that it's like more yeah, of a collab. Yeah. You're not like hanging out. Yeah, no, it's right. like the label sends you a stem and totally. you remix it. And that's what happened with the um, the Tricky. Um, we did a remix for him, and then we I posted something on our um, Instagram, and he commented on it that he loved the remix. And, nice. Uh, and I know that they were picky with that remix because they only put out ours and DJ Tennis's. Uh. And, uh, but I know other people that actually did the remix uh -huh. and theirs never came out. It didn't get picked, yeah. Yeah, so it wasn't like a situation where they were trying to get as many remixes as possible and put it out. They were very selective because when we turned it in, we didn't even hear anything back for over a month. We thought mm. they rejected it. 
but yeah, then he, he DM'd us privately and he was like, yo, if you guys ever need a vocalist, and we were like, if you ever need a legend on one of your tracks, <laughs> hit me That's up. That's cool. That's yeah. great. So how do you, uh, it's funny you say, like, I think for some people, the, the lifestyle, the, um, forget the, how you said it better than I do, but the, those trappings of success, yeah. like for some people, that's the goal. Yeah. So how do you, you know, and, and I think even if you didn't necessarily set out with that to be the goal, once it starts happening to you, you know, it's hard to go from first class back to coach. Yeah. So like, how, what was the conversation between the two of you or, or in your own head where you sort of come to that realization that we're like, we don't want to get trapped in that? I don't think it was very much our decision. Yeah. Um, the landscape of music changed. Okay. And so what we were doing was becoming less relevant. Um, trap and dubstep and all that started yeah. to take over. And yeah. then, like I said back in the beginning, like the fans don't want you just to DJ, mm -hmm. which at the end of the day, that's all you're doing up there. Right. Like you're just DJing. All that throwing your hands in the air, jumping up and down, getting on the mic is like not right. talent at yeah. all. Sorry, it's not. I mean, you're entertaining, I get it, but like <coughs> it's just like playing air guitar. Right. You know, it's just like that's it doesn't do anything. It's not doing anything. Right. And uh Well, yeah. So, you know, um everything slowed down for us. And then um, you know, we just kinda took a step back and I was just like, Wow, like I kinda like I like this. Like I get time to stop and enjoy it a little bit more. Mm. And, you know, we um we started making better music. And I feel like we're not touring as much now, but the quality of our music is is where I want it to be. Nice. Um, you know, we are saying no a lot. Yeah. Um, so how do you? What's that process? How do you? How do you decide what to say no to? Um, honestly, just if we like it and if it just has like a, like right now we um, we have two remixes that are just sitting on the shelves waiting to come out. One of them's for a band called Crooked Colors that I really like um, that um, that are from Australia and they're on a very good label. They're on Sweat It Out mm. and I really like Sweat It Out and I've always wanted to, to play or put something out on that label. So we did two remixes for that yeah. band. We actually did one that's more indie and then one that's more kind of like this um, style that we're into now, mm -hmm. um, which Wait is a little bit more tech house, mm -hmm. um, uh, a little bit more... Um, it lends itself more to groove-based kind of mixing and to DJing. Yeah. Um, a lot of the tracks we make now, we, we want long intros. We yeah. want like to be able to mix a song for three or four minutes and actually like change, change it up a lot more. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, we're, we're doing that. And then the second remix is for a band called Nations. Um, and they did that track with, um, Duke Dumont and Gorgon City, mm. want, um, I forget the name of it, but it was a, a really big track last yeah. year. Um, and so they are putting out a second single. And the reason I like Nations a lot is because Nikki Nighttime is part of Nations. Nations is um, Nat Dunn and Nikki Nighttime. They're, 
I don't know if they're both from Australia. I know Nikki's from Australia. And the Ooh. thing is, back when we all first started doing all this indie electro stuff, um, about in like 2007 to 2010, he was in a band that I really liked called Van Shee. Mm. And Van Shee had a DJ portion or DJ project called Van Shee Tech. And Nikki was um, one of the songwriters and one of the people in Van Shee and Van Shee Tech. Oh, cool. Um, one of my favorite songs still to this day is a song called Kelly. Um, I put it on a mix CD that I did um, for Thrive Records back in the day that was like in Best Buy and all that stuff. But nice. um, yeah, I, I was just always a really big fan of Nikki. And then when he met me, um, he told me he was a really big fan of LA Riots. And then I played him a lot of demos and he was just going on and on about how clean the mix downs were. And they weren't mastered, they were just mm. mixed down and I was playing it to him off my iPhone. That's crazy. And yeah, and so, uh, you know, a lot of times we'll just hit somebody up yeah. like directly um, if we have that relationship with them. That's what happened with Sweat It Out. That's what happened with Nations. Um, the tricky thing came through them. Um, mm -hmm. We did a remix for um, the Chainsmokers last summer that we didn't, it, it never came out, came out. Um, we put it on SoundCloud and they retweeted it and mm -hmm. put it in all their mixtapes and stuff or their radio shows. But yeah, like a lot of it at this point just comes from relationships that we've made because we, our name can get us in the door with a lot of people. Um, so when you, when you talk about those relationships, like do you do something to nurture those? Like, are you conscious about that? No. I mean, I live um, in a building that has a lot of um, DJs that live in it, like GTA, Wax Motif, um, next door is 12th Planet, next door to that is AC Slater. Huh. Carnage used to live on the block. Um, Skrillex lives just across town. And so there's like kind of like a crew that all hangs out together. And so, yeah. you know, I met Nikki through um, uh, Wax Motif one night. He was over at his house. Mm -hmm. And then also Exchange Nightclub is on my, my block. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I sure. walk my dog by there every day. He poops in front of it a lot. Um, <laughs> On purpose. But, yeah, no, it's funny. They always like complain <laughs> about it. They're like, dude, your dog's always shitting in front of um, They love my dog. Um, but yeah, like I go a lot to the shows there um, if there's somebody I want to see because I feel like they get, they get really good lineups for yeah. being such a big yeah, club. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and so I'll just, you know, I'll just go and um, meet a lot of people through that. Um, yeah, but I mean, now social media too, people, you know, you follow somebody, they follow you right back and you usually just start talking there. Yeah. Um, I don't remember how the, um, the, um, sweated out remix came about. Somebody introduced me to their A&R. I forget who, um, who happens to be, um, their A&R is Matt from Yolanda Be Cool. Okay. Um, so I met them. A lot of times, like, um, it's just through friends, but um, the chain smokers, I mean, those guys used to open for us back in the day in New York, you uh. know, um, back when it was two different guys. Oh, well, really? It was one. Uh -huh. um, Alex has always been the same okay. guy, but then there was a different guy in the chain smokers, and then Drew oh, is, is new. Drew is when they started having their success nice. with Selfie and all that was, um, was when Drew joined. Yeah. Um, and the other guy um, had left the band on his own. And uh, yeah, so, yeah, like I said, a lot of it, you know, I mean, we get, 
um, we've done video game scores yeah. and stuff like that. We did a remix for Weezer for PlayStation, and that was from going out to one of the fuck yeah nights that mm -hmm. Aoki and them used to do, which was what Loose Tooth turned into. Yeah, yeah, um, just hanging out and one of the guys, you know, hey, you know, I work for PlayStation. I have I have this idea for an opening track, and yeah, um, it's just. You know, if I lived in North Carolina, obviously, I feel like I would have to um, nurture sure. those relationships. But in L.A., you know, you're you're hanging out with people all the time. I mean, there's something to be said for living on the right block. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, we toiled away for a long time. But in the same breath, I feel like, you know, like a lot of people, A-Track and people that I look up to as DJs, they really respect the way I mix yeah. because I'm super nerdy and technical with it. And yeah. You know, like I help develop some of the pioneer equipment because oh, nice. they've seen me DJ and yeah. they know that I'm into, you know, all that stuff. Um, uh, I beta test a lot of the stuff, and they bring a lot. I have a is set. That, of, is that a um, good experience? Like, oh yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy. Like I can say this now, but when the CDJ 2000 came out, shortly after that, they had the Nexus over at my house, uh -huh. and you know, it was all taped up, what it, the, the, right, right, right. the name of what it was and all that stuff, but they brought, um, you know, the, the people from the designer, one of the designers from Japan over to my house, and they had me, like, mess with it and tell them, you know, certain things. And it's cool, too, because, like, if I'm in Rekordbox and I feel like it should do something else, um, I can hit them up and be yeah, like, yeah. hey, wouldn't it be cool if you did this? Nice. And you could sort by this or do this, and... You know, sometimes they take that stuff into account and you sure. see it in the next update. So it's it's cool. Um, yeah, it's it's a good feeling. But So what do you do, back to something you were talking about earlier, what do you do in your partnership when one guy wants to say yes to something and the other wants to say no? We don't ever really have that. Really? We get along. I mean, I've known John for 20 years. Yeah. Um, you know, like, there's this perfect example this part I mean not on a yes or no thing but like even still like in he could work on something for a long time on his own and bring it to me and like there's this part where he carried something out for 16 bars and for me it felt like it was way way too long mm -hmm. I said yo let's just hit it for four bars and take it away and the beat holds on its own and I know he spent a lot of time like with this idea yeah and his and this was just over text, and his response to me was like, cool, I'll do that. Yeah. It, we never, like, we never really ever butt heads. It's really weird. That's big. Yeah. I think that's why we've been able to sustain this for so long. But he did go off and and do the pop world thing, and we split. Yeah, and I think there was some... In L.A. Riot's name, on, John. I think there's a site, some some site out there mentions that, like, L.A. Riot's is now one person. Yeah, I... I well, I had I had done, uh, John and I started it, and we were together for two years, yeah. and then John went and did the pop thing, um, and uh, then I did my own thing for about six months, and then a another partner came in, and it uh -huh. felt pretty organic, so we worked together for two years, and then we split, and then I was solo, I think, for three years, mm. and then something came up where John and I had to work together. Not had to, but it was just, something came up where we, yeah. we, we ended up back in the studio together and we made a track and 
that track led to another track and another track and then eventually I mean we put out real love on spinning last year yeah um, but and that was like our first official like Ellie riots is back um, but we had been working together for probably like a year or two before then yeah. just That's together cool. in the studio So you, you work with, you know, all these great labels. You have stuff out on Fool's Gold and Dimac and Spinning and, um, you know, Bygore you mentioned. You know, basically all the top labels in, yeah. in your part of the business. What's those, what's the relationship like? Like, it, it's very different, you know, I think, than the sort of major label world. You're signed to, you know... A, seven album deal or yeah. whatever i know some of that stuff's changing too but um but how is the relationship different when like you're working with all these different labels and not just one well we signed pretty much single deals we've yeah. done um i think with Denmark we did a three single deal but a lot of times they just get right of first refusal and right. we know when we're making a track if it's going to fit that label sure so you know it wouldn't make sense to kind of put out a drum and bass track on Dimmock, so. so what do you think you get out of those relationships um, since they're so like one record at a time? Well, you do lose, what you lose is that label's not championing, champion, championing things for you as much. Yeah. Um, you know, like you're not, like we, we, we put stuff out on Fool's Gold, but we're not Fool's Gold artists, right. you know. Um, we're not Dimmock artists. Right. Um, but it's good because like now we, we just, the stuff we're making now doesn't fit any of those labels. Yeah. Um, it's funny, Real Love, we had been sun, sending stuff to Spinning forever, and they always passed. And we made Real Love, and we were like, they're never going to be into this song. It doesn't fit their vibe, but I sent yeah. it to them anyways. And they got back to me so quickly. Um, and um, they really pushed hard for that track. Um, they went up against Dimmock for it. Dimmock really wanted it too, but we ended up going with Spinning. Um, just because they have a wider reach. Um, yeah. And it got picked up and licensed by other labels um, all over the world. Like Universal picked it up in Scandinavia. Nothing Else Matters, which is Danny Howard's label in, which is a Sony sub-label in the UK, it uh -huh. picked it up there. Um, there was Korean labels picked it up. And oh, so cool. it was good. Like, yeah. Dimmock um, is good for US stuff, but um, yeah. But it's good because it, it just gives us a freedom to work with a bunch of different labels. Yeah. Like right now, we just signed with um, Country Club Disco, which uh -huh. is Golf Claps label. Um, and we also signed with um, Insomniac's label, In Rotation, which is the tracks that are out now. Yeah. Um, we have another track coming out on Spinning. So basically, we released around December 9th or something, we released 
the in rotation tracks. And then January 29th, we're going to release the Country Club disco tracks. And then January, I think 15th or 16th, we'll release the spinning tracks, mm -hmm. track. And then March, like second or third, we release on Psycho Disco, which is uh, Treasure Fingers label. Mm -hmm. And then we're just putting out. That's um, a lot. Yeah, on other labels as they pop up. Busy. Yeah. Yeah, our output last year we put out, I think, two tracks. Yeah. Um, and then the the Tricky remix before um, before the end of the year. And then that's when the In Rotation stuff came out. But we, we normally put out a lot more than that. And mm -hmm. so this year um, we'll have, you know, three or four tracks out within the first couple months, few months. It's awesome. You know. And I feel like we're in a better better place and better vibe with our music right now. We're feeling it a lot more. Whereas before it was like chasing and we didn't really have a clear path of mm. what we wanted to do because we didn't have a plan. And now yeah. we kind of have a plan. We we know what we want to do. We know the clubs we want to play. We know the people we want to work with. So how did that plan come together? It, it was more dictated by the style of music that we were making now. Yeah. Um, we are going a little bit more housey and techy. Yeah. I feel like a lot of our peers are veering off into the um, trap world uh -huh. or the dubstep world. Uh -huh. And then some of them are going to this, like, I don't want to call it like this new kind of like form of house, but like kind of this night bass confessions mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. um, sound. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit darker. Um, and then we actually have just gone full on like more just tech house and house. Yeah. Um, and uh, getting more into like the European kind of vibe yeah. of things. And yeah, we just want to play at certain clubs now and we want to play alongside certain people. Yeah. So that, that, that does come into play with a lot of like what we're saying no to nowadays too. Like no to certain club plays, sure. you know, even. Yeah. Which, you know, it's basically turning down money. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah, but I feel like I'll be in a much happier place. Yeah. Mentally. Yeah. What do you see like, um, you know, when you, when you started you mentioned like the blogs were really driving this business. There's, you know, blog house was like a genre. Oh, yeah. um, and, you know, I remember we put out something I did with Mazda. We put out like a promo record and like in an hour, like 250 blogs oh, had yeah. picked it up. And it was just like, uh, and then before that, you know, I, and I saw you guys just did power tools. So Richard's a friend, he's been on the show. And, you know, I think, his era, you know, before the blog thing was like radio, like you had Liquid Todd, you had yep. Jason Bentley, you had, you know, these guys in certain markets who would really drive, you know, Sirius, uh, you know, XM, the dance stations there, whatever, were kind of driving that business. Um, what's driving the business today? Um, Spotify, mm -hmm. socials, I feel like Instagram. Um, it's the music's gotten shorter too, if you notice, like the songs. I, yeah, yeah. Shorter intros, shorter outros. Yeah. Just hit them over the head and move on to the next one. Um, so does that change? Other than it sounds like maybe it changes the the song length. Yeah. But like, does it change how you 
make and release music and get the word out and stuff? Yeah, I mean, playlists nowadays. Um, it's funny, when we put out this new track, House Philosophy, on In Rotation, which is a pretty unknown label, it's yeah. Insomniac's new label, and it's for less radio-oriented um, right. tracks. Things I love about this current house. out the radio vocally stuff and bigger tracks on insomniac so mm -hmm. it doesn't have a big reach um, and uh, I mean the tracks been out like maybe five weeks it's about to hit half a million streams on Spotify which is really good it's great because it's a seven minute long tech house track wow. with no clear vocal it's a sample yeah um, of a guy talking it's not yeah. even singing um, and uh, it one day it came out and Kramer, who used to be at Sirius, who now runs Spotify's um, electronic division, um, he just tweeted at me um, something like, um, I think it said damn, and it was a link to the track. And uh, I th that was like maybe a week after it came out. And um, the next day it appeared on a playlist with like 200,000 followers. Yeah. The day after that, it appeared on one with 500,000 followers. The next day, it appeared on one, I think it was 800,000 followers, then 1.2 million, then 1.6 million. Mm. And so it's on all these playlists. And, you know, it's a seven-minute long Tech House track. It mm -hmm. shouldn't have half a million streams in five weeks. Mm -hmm. But, um, and then Liquid Todd, who you mentioned, put it on um, uh, Beta BPM, which yeah. is where they premiere new tracks. And then the flip side of it, Ladies Man got picked up and put into rotation on Sirius. And then, um, you know, Swedish Eagle and Richard Vision have been, um, yeah, have been playing it. But yeah. a lot of it comes down to relationships. Like, sure. I mean, I knew Kramer from the Spotify, I mean, from the Sirius days and Liquid Todd because I would go to the station sometimes to do, yeah. um, I did a hosting thing there one time where I oh, was cool. on the air and then one month, it was a December, which had five Fridays in it. So I did five mixes for them that premiered every Friday. And you know, I see these guys down at Weir Music Conference and at yeah. different events. And yeah. you know, we all stay in touch on social media. So yeah, a lot of that is is being driven through that. Sure. Yeah. Getting reposted on SoundCloud helps a lot too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I, I don't, I don't mess with SoundCloud that much anymore. I mean, it seems I don't to like change so much. Yeah, it's weird. Like our account is flagged yeah. as belonging to like Warner Brothers or something. Oh, like really? we're signed to Warner Brothers, which we're not. We've done a remix for them, but right. so yeah, just... I I can't put anything up and make it downloadable. Mm -hmm. It says that anything I upload is owned by, and I've bought a membership until 2019. Right. On this to you know um, to put my music out sometimes for like free downloads and stuff. So. I um, don't really put up a lot on there. I'll um, repost things that people put up, but yeah, I, I, I hate SoundCloud, honestly. I don't even listen to it. Yeah, it seems like they haven't really. No. And it the out. thing is, I've emailed them. Yeah. Hey, man, this is going on. 
we're not signed to any labels. And they're like, oh, we can't help you. You need to hit up the label. Right. I'm like, what label? We're not signed to a label. <laughs> like, and who do we contact over there? Right. And I've reached out to Warner. I've reached out to Warner Chapel, their publishing division. Nobody yeah. knows what I'm talking about. Ugh. So that sucks. I just gave up. Yeah. So hashtag fuck SoundCloud. <laughs> What's the? But it's um, good. It's good if you're a rapper, I guess. Like all these dudes are coming up in that sure. world, like big, absolutely, like Lil Pump, and yeah, that isn't. He's a SoundCloud yeah, yeah. rapper's a thing, right? Yeah. yeah, that's. I mean, this is that era. Yeah, for sure. SoundCloud and really bad tattoos. That's what's going on right now. <laughs> like that's what you need to to get into the rap game now. It's like horrible tattoos. <laughs> I'm going to a tattoo appointment right after this. Nice. <laughs> and I just got this like three days ago. Oh, that one's cool. The bee? Yeah, little honeybee. Nice. What's the hardest part of the job? Um, I don't know. Um, I think just the exhaustion that comes along with touring a lot. Yeah. Because like people don't realize like it's not like the band days where like you had a tour and you you went on a logical route. Right. Like, sometimes like I've been in. I remember one time I was in LAX, LA on a Wednesday. Um, and you got to think like they're ahead in time too. Like Philippines on a Friday, Tokyo on a Saturday, home by 1 p.m. on a Sunday. Like, you know, you just, Brutal. and, and also we're DJs and, um, you're playing till the sun comes up in some yeah, places. It's not, like, it's not, and so you're in a different time zone yeah. doing that. Then your ears are ringing because most of us have tinnitus. Yeah. I do. It's ringing right now. Yeah. Um, then you go to the airport and it's just, it gets to be exhausting and you wear yourself down. I mean, Avicii like had to like, you know, fall out for a while. And yeah. I mean, my touring schedule was nowhere near what that guy's is, but sure. you know, I'll, uh, and I don't think people can relate to that. They're like, what do you mean? You're tired. Right. You're tired. So you're going to like quit. Right. And no, you're. Yeah there's, yeah, yeah, there's tired, and then there's just like you're just broken down, exhausted. Well, I think you, it's like disorienting. Yeah, when you're just in different time zones yeah. and you're in different cities, and yeah. Yeah, I mean, happened. but like it's honestly, never happened it, to me, but I get it. Honestly, at the end of the day, like there's not a lot of bad that comes along with this. So if that's, if pretty that's cool. all you got to deal with, then absolutely, you know, and, and like I said, like before, we were touring constantly, and then we things slowed down, and <laughs> I know that this time around, I'm going to kind of stop and smell the roses. I have a picture nice. um, on my computer that I always look at and I always remember now to stop and smell the roses. <laughs> and it's a blurry picture on a Blackberry, so you know this was like back before, you know, things were cool. Um, uh, and it was dusk and um, it's a blurry picture of the Colosseum in Rome as nice. the sky's like purplish behind it. And it's blurry because you can tell we're moving. And that's my experience of Rome. Like one of the sure. raddest places to go. Yeah, yeah, I should of course, have taken but, you time. but you don't see it. But I yeah. played a gig there, and the next day I was at the airport. And it's just like, oh, man, I really wish I could go to Rome one day. And it's like, oh, wait, I've been. I just, you know, it didn't happen. Yeah. No, yeah. that sucks. So this time around, sure. I'm going to schedule in some me time when you can that's that's yeah. the thing to do for sure yeah. all right they're gonna kick us out of here but i okay. i got a little uh i gotta do a little lightning round before i let you uh -huh. go um tell me one decision that changed your life forever oh when i quit working and started djing 
like because it had always been a hobby of mine you yeah. know and i didn't plan on it wasn't like a lot of these people set out to be like oh you know i want to be a dj blah blah, blah. i didn't want to be a dj i didn't, i wanted stable money yeah. you know i mean i i wanted security and there's no security in this yeah. and especially in that new scene that we were starting too and this isn't like the david getta afrojack money right you know this yeah, is like you know you were playing on shitty sound systems like really bad monitors you know like yeah i would throw fits sometimes when i would show up places and then they would have shitty monitors they'd be like well, what do you mean like you know little if, if you're uh -huh. playing on a wedge that's not that's not a dj monitor right. that's a band monitor yeah i know this because i played at my buddy's party the other night for his birthday and i was on a wedge and i was yeah. like oh my god this sucks like you know but it wasn't like you weren't making money hand over fist back in those days sure um and nothing's guaranteed and we had only had like a couple tracks out so yeah and we didn't know where this was going but you know this eventually turned into what it is today and now you know djs have a section on the forbes list yeah it's big yeah complete this sentence i don't have talent i have blank just determination i guess yeah so if I worked for you, if I was on your team or I was uh, Zach's assistant or something, uh, what's something I would hear you say over and over? They don't hear from me very much. No? I'm a very, like, self, like, like, sustaining person. Like, I do a lot of stuff on my own. Mm. Um, and, yeah, no, I don't really complain or reach out that much. Um, yeah. Okay. It's a fun, that's a fun client to have. Yeah. Who would you be most excited to learn as a fan of your work? Uh, man, that's a good one. Um, I don't know, just like some of the bands that, I, it's crazy though, because like I've remixed some of the bands that I've been fans of, you yeah. know? Um, and then found out that they're fans of ours because that's how we got the remix. Like Kings of Leon, I love those yeah. guys. Like we got, we did a remix for them. Granted, I think they, one of them went to rehab right after, and that remix album never came out. But a lot of people did remixes. Like they put one of them on. Maybe he played it in rehab and helped yeah. him get through. But yeah, exactly. We can tell ourselves that. <laughs> um, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, it would definitely have to be somebody like more in like the techno kind of world, like yeah. people that like are involved in what we do but like really like get it and there's no frills that go along with it they just you know so if you found out like some so you get a call that someone's playing the new track yeah and you're oh just yeah like fuck that's incredible like who, who is that <sighs> carl cox pete yeah. tongs like people like that yeah i feel like we might get a pete tong play though because we're on country club disco now and he sports a lot of that stuff nice. but like if carl cox or like green velvet or somebody is playing one of our tracks yeah. out That'd be pretty rad. I mean, because we've had like the Tiestos and the, you know, the Avicis and sure. the, all those people in that world and um, playing our stuff. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, um, I used to, I'll tell you this, I used to be a big fan of Incubus back in the day. Oh, really? And then I met like Kilmore. Yeah. He's a DJ yeah. and he's like a fan of our stuff. And yeah. we actually hang out and go on ski trips. And oh, stuff that's together. cool. Yeah. I've known Mikey a long time. Oh, nice. Yeah. I just, I went to, I think, three of their shows on their last tour. Oh, cool. Yeah, the ones around Southern California, because he just puts me on, and I just go, and it never gets old. Yeah. 
It's a good show. Yeah, very good show. And have you heard Brandon's like solo project, Sun no. of the Sea? It's really good. Have yeah. yeah. Really kind of more of that, if not now, when, mm. that album kind of vibe mm -hmm. to it, which is one of my favorite albums. That's cool. Yeah. What's your favorite city to travel to? Um, I like Barcelona as far as city. Um, I like going back to, I, that's probably Hawaii up there on the screen. I'm sure. I like going to Hawaii a lot and Bali a lot. Do you ever play the game like we sit at home and try to figure out what? I've been sitting there. I was like that last cityscape that just went by. I was yeah. like, oh, that looks like Hong Kong. Or Tokyo. There is a Hong Kong. I think that one, it was. And there's a, uh, I found one was Doha. Oh. It took us like 20 minutes oh. to figure it out. Yeah. That looks like Kauai. And yeah, I, I bet. And then there's a new thing. There's like this frozen tundra. You know, oh. Like that, we're, we're just never going to. It's like a glacier. Oh, that's New York City. <laughs> <laughs> um, are, are you a reader? What's, uh, what's the last great book you read? Uh, it's weird. I read a lot of um, military stuff. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, because my dad's special well, you have forces that background. Yeah. Yeah. So, I've read like you know like um, the what is the guy that um, I read the you know the book on the um, the guy that killed us on like, Bin Laden. Yeah, the SEAL Team Six stuff. Yeah. Um, I, we, read, I read one of those. Uh, uh, I forget which one because there's a. There's a few guys that are kind of claiming. Yeah, but that the first and, one, the, yeah. um, the the one that the first one that came out is the one that I read, and then the guy that um, Mark Wahlberg did that movie about the guy that um, um, you know when the SEAL team lost a bunch of people. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. So I read that, and then he has another one cool. actually. He went. People don't realize he went back into service because that was all in Afghanistan. After he healed up, he went back to Iraq. Right. And then um, was over there, and he has a book out called Service. And so I read that. Ah. I read um, the stuff on the Blackwater, um, the whole Blackwater thing, because um, uh, I'm big into how they're privatizing the military, so that you know we sure. don't have to report on all those losses. Of course, yeah, there's um, less accountability and. Yeah, and then that guy, literally money. Eric Prince, he had to kind of not talk about any of that stuff when they were getting right blown up in the press. Um, and then um, once I guess he got out of that world and Black um, Blackwater was no more, he put out a he put out a book, his own book, mm. which is kind of a rebuttal to that. And I just read that recently. That was really good. But that guy's like crazy. I think he's like Team Trump. Like um, oh really? Yeah, he's like big on spreading Christianity too. <coughs> things like that. Awesome. That. At the barrel of a gun. That's the yeah. way to do it. What um what movie do you think you've seen the most in your life? Oh, Blow. Yeah. Yeah, hands a, down. Because I just love I love the style in that. The soundtrack on that's amazing. Um, who did the soundtrack for that? I know her, Amanda Demi. Amanda Demi. Yeah, 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 she did the soundtrack. Yeah. Who's your favorite DJ? Man, um, I like watching Richie Houghton. Yeah, he goes in yeah um carl cox i like watching carl cox i like watching what people do um jack master um uh -huh. guys that like really you know get into it a new guy that i've been watching a lot is patrick topping he's really good because he plays stuff that i don't you know, know his him. selection is is really good he's on hot creations he's, okay um, i think he was just on the cover of dj mag um, nice but yeah, he's part of Jamie Jones's crew. Uh huh. Um, but
but his DJing is really good too. I like guys that just like are just. It's funny because like if you ask a lot of people now, and not to take away from what they're doing or anything, like oh, who's your favorite DJ? It's like oh, Steve Aoki, David Guetta, you know. And it's just like you. No one has said either one of those guys on this show. Yeah, I mean, it's just like they're not known for that, you know. No. I mean, like you know. No, if you said, if you named one of those, yeah. I would. Like a track. I'd have to look sideways at you. A track, you know, uh, there's there's. A track's an incredible kind of, DJ. Yeah, there's different kinds of DJing. I, I'm for sure. Skill wise, like you know, those guys can't be, you know, the, uh, you know, and and it's really interesting. Like a lot of, and I've said this on Twitter before and gotten a lot of shit for it, but like open format DJs will own, will own electronic DJs, like a lot of times. Like yeah, open format DJing is not the easiest thing to do. Sure. Like, you know, yeah, it's, you it's, have different tempos, yeah, different, different moods. You're playing all over the place. Like you've got to sure. figure out how to, you know, take into account this vocal that's coming in. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a, a big appreciation for a lot of those guys. I hung out a lot with um, AM back in the day too, yeah. before he passed. And yeah, just the stuff he would do is just incredible. Absolutely. Well, man, it's been a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you, you coming through and, and uh, sharing the great stories with us. Cool. Um, how do we find LA Riots online? Um, LARiotsMusic.com links to everything like our Twitter um, which is LA Riots it's a combination of either LA Riots or LA Riots Official for, okay. um, for our Instagrams and Twitters and awesome man well thanks thanks for doing it thanks for having me yo that was Daniel one half of LA Riots I hope you enjoyed it uh, if you did leave us a comment on Twitter on Facebook Leave us a review on iTunes. Leave us something. Leave us alone. Come back next week. More Rebel Radio.